I always say I wish I had an ABD guide in my actual life and I could rule the world. everybody the DCL duo and tonight we've got a repeat guest we have Erin Foster back with us you may remember Erin from a few episodes ago when she was on to talk about the Disney Cruise Line unofficial guide that she co-authors but we wanted to have Erin back because I think as we mentioned in the show Erin has a ton of experience with adventures by Disney and so we want to talk with Erin tonight about ABD so welcome back Erin hi thanks for having me I wanted to start off with folks by sort of telling them what ABD was do you want to do you want to walk people through Adventures by Disney? Because it's a pretty unique Disney product. Sure. Adventures by Disney is the luxury travel arm of Disney that is not related to its theme parks, although it is a little bit. I'll get to that. But not related to the theme parks or necessarily the cruise, although there's a little bit of that, which I'll get to later. <laughs> but it's, it's traveling the world with Disney, but not at Disney. For example, they go to six continents. So if you wanted to travel with Disney making your arrangements and having a Disney train guide with you and you wanted to go to South Africa, you could do that. That's Adventures by Disney. And there's a, a price premium, I'll say, for Adventures by Disney. Is that is that pretty fair? Yes, it's it's not cheap. It's definitely not cheap. There There is a premium. Okay, so that's what the product is, Erin. Now, when the last show we had you on, you mentioned you had quite a bit of experience with ABD. So can you kind of give folks kind of your background, what some of the trips you've taken are and, and your experiences with it? Sure. I have been on 10 Adventures by Disney trips. And my first one was in 2009, going to Costa Rica. Adventures by Disney itself started in 2005 with only two destinations, which was Hawaii and the American West. And they've since expanded to several dozen trips on six continents. There, there's a couple of different kinds of trips. So there are short escapes, which are usually sort of like three or four days. And a few of those are standalones, like they have a short escape to Disneyland, where they get to, into some behind the scenes kind of stuff. There's the traditional longer trips, which are usually between like seven and 12 nights. And then there are river cruises, which we can get into. It's like a whole separate thing. And they run a little bit different than the regular ABD cruises. And there are some Adventures by Disney cruises that are embedded into Disney Cruise Line sailings. So that's a that's a lot of different things, but I have been on 10. So the short escape I went on was Barcelona, which was before a Mediterranean cruise. I've done the embedded Disney Cruise Line experience on the Mediterranean, which was like a partner to the Barcelona one, and then the Northern European Baltic one. I've done one domestic trip to Wyoming. I've done two river cruises, the Danube and the Rhine, and then four of the traditional longer adventures, which were Costa Rica, Peru, Germany, and China. And then additionally, my my parents took my oldest daughter on the Ireland trip. So even though I didn't go on it, I have all the pictures and all the every brochure and all the travel planning stuff. So I'm pretty, pretty well versed in that one, too. I didn't realize that Disney was doing ABD to Hawaii before Alani. That's like six years before. That was their sort of, you know, first foray into the Hawaiian region and it went well. And I think that's part of how they decided they could do Olani. So it was it was the it was the precursor. And then when Olani opened, they discontinued that. Ah, that makes sense. 
So I'd like to dive into some of these like sort of specific categories of trip, Aaron. But before we get there, I think there are probably some things that cross over all of the different offerings. One of them being my sense is these are small group trips and you're getting what, like two adventure guides. Right. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So let's take the river cruises out because those are run pretty differently than than all of the other ones. Take, putting aside the river cruise, the maximum number of guests on virtually all of the ABD experiences is 40 or 42. And generally, they're, they're often quite a few less. So they'll run them with, I, I was on one that had around 25 guests on it. And for those guests, you get two adventure guides, basically 24-7. So they are with you and you really, really get to know them. And additionally, when you go off and do an activity. So for instance, the day I was in Rome, we had our two guide, plus we had expert guides for the region. So we'd have like a woman come with us who was an expert in, you know, Italian art to come with us to a museum, that sort of thing. And then depending on the destination, there might be various, you know, bus drivers or porters or security people or helpers or whatever. So you always, always, always have the two Disney trained guides. Plus you will have other people at various destinations, depending on what you're doing. On these trips, are the Disney trained guides typically American or do they vary in their nationality? There's, there's often one of each. So there's always an an American who obviously speaks fluent English, whatever, depending on the destination, you'll also get another guide who's local. So for instance, when I did the China trip, there was an American guide and a, a native Chinese guide because the American didn't speak fluent, you know, Mandarin. And often there's somebody who, you know, if there's a language issue, there'll be a guide that is very fluent in the language of the country. And then for the American ones, pretty much all the ones I've encountered have some sort of other Disney experience. Like they worked in guest relations in the parks or in entertainment or that sort of thing. So virtually all of them that are the the Americans have worked in the Disney parks and have been through traditions and know all the Disney protocols and the level of guest service that they want and that sort of thing. And then when necessary, if there's a language or a cultural issue, they'll partner with somebody who has also been through a lot of Disney training, but is native to the country that you're visiting. Interesting. I wonder if there's a lot of crossover. I think you're right. The performers, that kind of makes sense. I wonder if there's a lot of crossover with the the plaids or the, the private tour guides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there definitely, there definitely is. And interestingly, one, uh, like one guide we had on the river cruise had been uh, working in the kids clubs on, on DCL. And she was the person who mostly took care of the littler, you know, littler, like elementary age kids during the river cruise. So they find the people that are expert in doing what they do. Yeah. That's another good, another good thing to sort of segue into is I think one of the potential benefits, but I don't know, I'm sort of looking for your kind of um, your view here, Aaron, is that it's a Disney product. So it's family oriented. So it could be a good way for you to take your kids overseas to places in a, in a way that you know is going to work. But my sense is there's also age limits and things like that. So are these family friendly trips? Are they good for kids? Absolutely. I mean, they run a few each year to different destinations that are adults only. Those are typically in the fall when kids are in school. So if you if you don't have kids or you don't want to be around kids, there are, there are opportunities to do that. The Adventures by Disney website is really quite good, in, in my opinion, better than some of the other Disney product websites. <laughs> um, and it's very detailed on what you're doing each day, where you're staying, what what's included, and their age recommendations. And they say like, 
excuse me, they'll say the limit, the like the, the lower age limit is six, but we prefer the child be eight. And so they're, they're pretty explicit about that sort of thing. And then occasionally there'll be one activity where there's a slightly different age limit. Like there might be a zip lining thing where, you know, that you could be eight on the trip, but you have to be 10 to zip line, but they'll, they're pretty explicit about that. And so you can make your decisions that way. Yeah. Do, do you think their recommendations are pretty spot on as far as what age would actually enjoy the trip versus, you know, the the minimum, right? Because I think we all think of a, a minimum is, you know, you're allowed to, but recommendation. They, they, yeah, they, they plan things based on the ages of the kids that happen to be there. So for instance, I'm thinking of one trip where we went to Vienna and there were activities planned for the younger kids that, you know, the, the grownups went to the boring museum, the kids could do like some scavenger hunt in the, the beautiful garden out front of the museum, that sort of thing. So, so they try to make, you know, a really good balance of, of things to do. But one of the things that I particularly like about Adventures by Disney is I don't have to plan anything. So even if you're doing a Disney Cruise Line, you're choosing from a menu of their excursions that they offer, or you might opt to do one on your own. So you're doing research on third-party vendors, or you're trying to figure out how to plan your own walk around whatever city you're in. Adventures by Disney does everything for you. And so that's part of the luxury thing is like, you really can like pick up the phone, call them, book the trip, and then just show up and like literally have to do nothing else, which for somebody who, you know, I'm a mom, I plan stuff 24 seven. And (laughs) I feel like the only time I'm ever really on vacation is Adventures by Disney because I don't have to do anything. They, They do a good balance of making sure it's not like seven days of just museums. So there's usually like a couple of cultural days, a couple of like culinary related days, a couple of like more adventurous nature explorer days or or like a, you know, wild activity like dune buggy racing or rafting or zip lining kind of thing. And then like a sort of more relaxation-y day, you know, like, like that's part of like, if you were going on Disney Cruise Line yourself, you might be tempted to make yourself do seven museum days in a row or even (laughs) like seven whale watching days in a row. And neither of those is the right thing. And so they've done a lot of testing and a lot of, you know, guest interviews and yada, yada. And they make a really good balance of the different types of activities to keep you engaged. And so there's also, you know, like if you have a kid who is going to be bored at a museum and they almost always will have some alternative activity for that type of thing. But you know that the kid's not going to be bored in a museum seven days in a row kind of thing. And my sense is the kinds of things that they're planning are also just not like they're not, for lack of a better sort of imagery, they're not the hop on, hop off bus tour. They're not the person leading you around the city with the red umbrella or whatever it is. Like it's it's sort of much more intimate than that. And, and right. yeah. Well, absolutely. And and that's par- part of the really great thing about having the two guides for the whole trip is they get to know you. I mean, there are several that I have kept in touch with for 10 years, you know, that I could like that I'm Facebook friends with and I could send them a note and they would respond, you know, I mean, and so really develop a a great personal relationship. So like I'm, I'm remembering one time we were in Rome and the guide happened, you know, we had been chatting and he knew that I was like a Disney person and not everybody on the Adventures by Disney trips is, but he knew I was a Disney person. So he pointed out like there's where the Disney store is and there's where the restaurant, where the, the restaurant in, in Italy, Epcot is themed from and that sort of thing. (laughs) 
or if they know that you're a, you know, a nautical person or you like science or you like whatever, they'll point out the things on the trip that are of interest to you. And they have lots of, you know, like if ever there's like a shopping opportunity, they'll know that which are the good shops that aren't going to rip you off that have whatever it is you're looking for, that sort of thing. That's also a really good point is that not everyone who goes on these trips are Disney people. I think it's good to point out you're not like, you know, if your thing is you want to like meet some characters or something like Mickey and Minnie aren't traveling with you on your adventure. This, this is not that. This is not that. <laughs> yeah. at all. Um, there's, I mean, I really think the only you know, other than the incredible service level and training of the guides, the only Disney thing that has happened is that it, occasionally there's like a longish bus ride to get from like, you know, one one region to another region. And they will often put on a Disney movie for the kids <laughs> on the bus. Like that's pretty much it. And it's always like, you know, you, you would get Mulan in China. It's always sort of like themed to your destination. And that, that's usually when everybody naps. But <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I imagine you're, you know, people do get exhausted on any of these kinds of tours. Yeah. And they, and they build that in. They know that like woke you up early to get to this destination. So we have an hour and a half long bus ride and they won't, you know, they'll make a real point actually to like give you your update on what's happening for the first 10 minutes and then turn off the microphone so that you can take a nap on the bus and they'll tell you like, bring your pillow or, you know, <laughs> whatever, that kind of thing. I always say, I wish I had an ABD guide in my actual life and I could rule the world because there've been a couple of times when I've been and a guest has had a minor, you know, mishap, like they took a wrong step off a train or something or Mm. whatever. You know, they always carry first aid kits and they know where there's an English speaking doctor in every destination. And there was one, one time a guy we took a, like a little train ride and one of the guests on the trip like cut open his foot like on the train and they had him at the clinic with stitches and you know antibiotics and whatever and like we didn't even know he was gone you know and it, and then we're like oh my god you know what and it cost him like $11 you know oh this was god. in Peru like the whole the whole thing took like an hour and basically no money and he was back with the trip and perfectly fine you know it was just it was like sort of magic um they'll also they're also function as um basically as photo pass photographers and so they have cameras and all the pictures are included with your trip you really you like you don't have to worry about anything. That's a, that's actually a good segue into, why don't we use that to segue into sort of, Erin, what, what is included in the trip? Right. Airfare is not included. Depending on, you know, if you fly into the airport that they recommend, they'll generally pick you up at the airport and make sure you get to your hotel. There's, you know, there's some exceptions about like, if you come in like four days in advance because you're doing something else that might not happen or whatever, but generally Transfers to and from airports or ports is included. All the hotels are included. Photos are included. You know, your guide service. There's little trip like presents along the way, which I won't spoil, but included. But again, it, it varies slightly by trip. So for instance, in, you know, I haven't been on the China trip in a couple of years, but I, I recall correctly, all of the meals were included in the China trip. And then I remember like when my folks took my daughter to the Ireland trip, there were a couple of times where it said like dinner on your own because you were in Dublin and there were plenty of great restaurants nearby and they know that people want to take some time to stop or explore that sort of thing. So it's very explicit on the website what's included for each trip. But but generally all of your breakfasts, almost all of your lunches and, you know, probably average 80% of the dinners. You know, there there are occasions where a lunch or a dinner is not included, but that's, you're, you're told that up front. 
Right. And those are the purposeful times where they're giving you some free time to explore the city on your own. Right. Yeah, exactly. And if you need a suggestion, they're always there to say, yeah, I, you know, if you say I'm tired today, this is my off day, but I just want to get a sandwich nearby. They'll be like, here are three great choices within a four block radius, you know, that sort of thing. Just sticking with the land-based tours for a second, just one more question here. I think we've all had the experience where we've shown up to our hotel in Europe and it is vastly different than what we would expect from a more American hotel. So sort of food, accommodations, that type of stuff, Aaron, like how luxury is it? Like what, what was your impressions? It's perfect. Like I'm, I, it's, it's luxurious. It's perfect. The, the hotels we had in China, I've literally never, like it was beyond my wildest dreams of what a hotel could be. It was like, <laughs> I'm not sure I'm good enough to stay here. <laughs> really fabulous. And like in Germany, there were, we stayed in castles that had been repurposed. And in Costa Rica, we stayed in a hotel with like a hot tub in every room with a view of the volcano and lush hibiscus at the foot of your bed. You know, I mean, it's like, those are nice <laughs> Really, really nice hotels. You know, the food is really good. They're pretty mindful that not everybody has the same palate. So there's not always a huge choice, but there is always some choice. And they try really hard to make something like plain pasta available at every meal because they know that there are lots of kids and some adults that are quite picky. But the food will often be specific to the region. So in China, we had Chinese food, obviously, but there usually was, you know, some sort of relatively bland, relatively Americanized food that was available. And then on several trips, I've been with people who had allergies of various sorts and they they try very hard to accommodate that. So like on, on my Mediterranean one, there was a girl who had an issue with gluten and they were able in, even in Italy where it's sort of like new that this thing even exists, but they were able to get her a gluten-free dough for her, the pizza that we were making. But, you know, you have to bear in mind that not every country is as stringent with that sort of thing as the U.S. So if you do have some sort of food issue, you that's one of the situations where I would want to speak to one of the, they call them vacationistas, the planner people, and really dig into that with that. Do, do, do you feel like you're getting an authentic experience? You know, as authentic as I would want. So example, <laughs> That's fair. That's um, fair. <laughs> there were a couple of places like in China, we went into somebody's home oh, wow. and they talked to us about what their life was like and we saw the way they lived and that sort of thing. That was one of the excursions. On the other hand, they always knew where a Western style toilet was, you know, and so it's, you're no, it's not, you're not like backpacking in the woods. If that's what you want, then ABD is probably not the right thing for you. You, you mentioned the website. I, I thought one tip I would point out is these aren't things that you can book online. You're going to have to go, you're going to have to call them. I thought that was sort of interesting right, when we got right. into the booking process. You got to call them or use a travel agent. You can't just go online and you, know, you can browse them, but you can't book them online. But let's let's say you're past the point. You, I, I agree. The website is great for finding information. Let's just kind of walk through the process for a second. Like, what are your tips around booking? My sense is it's much like cruise line booking when they come out or you may not get it. Yeah. When they announced the Japan trip, which I think was two years ago was the first one, those were gone within moments because it was sort of a lot of pent up demand. That was one thing that a lot of guests have been asking for for a long time. So if there's a trip that you think you want to do, I would probably talk to a, a travel agent who's booked a lot of these and they will keep an eye out for that for you and be able to put a hold on it as soon as it becomes available. There are some benefits if you've taken one before. So once you've taken your first ABD trip, you're in 
ABT inside on the lookout. But otherwise, it's really just just a phone call. And I think part of the reason why they want to talk to you on the phone is because it's such a personalized thing. And so the vacationistas are sort of better at their jobs than some of the other Disney phone service people in that they like, actually know what they're talking about. Sorry. <laughs> so, so Aaron, is it is it the kind of thing that you find people have a brand loyalty to in the same way they do other Disney products? Absolutely. Absolutely. And in fact, we had a couple that was on two of our trips that we just happened to like be on. <laughs> so you the same people. And then I want to say there are at least three or four other people. Like we saw one family that we were on an ABG trip with and we ran into them on the beach at Olani. And there was another one that we ran into on a bus at like Epcot, you know, I mean, so it's, even though there's not Mickey on the trips, the, you know, it's sort of, there is a brand loyalty that that's mm-hmm. the same, same kind of people who are, you know, like if you're staying concierge at the Disney hotels, Disney parks, hotels, you're probably the kind of person that's going on ABD trips and you're probably going on the DCL and you know, that it, it's, it's the same, it's the same pool that they're drawing from. So you, you mentioned some good buckets here, which were kind of the short escapes. Well, let's just spend some time there. So the short escapes, these are short targeted, like three to four day kind of trips, normally like adding into a vacation kind of thing. Most of the time it's an add-on and a lot of them are related to DCL ports. So like, let's say you were taking the Mediterranean cruise with or without the ABD add-on during the cruise, you could take the Barcelona short escape, which would be like three nights in a luxury hotel in Barcelona. And they would take you to like the sites of the area with the limit of 40 people and the guides and the, that sort of thing. So, and then there are a few that are just on their own. So for instance, like the Disneyland one, it's, it's three nights but they take you like inside Walt's apartment in the park and they take you to Henson Studios sometimes or, you know, behind the scenes, these sorts of stuff. And, you know, there's one, there's a, there's a few in, in the U.S. There's one in New York. There used to be one in Nashville where you could go in a recording studio. I don't think they're running that one right now. But then a lot of them are like, like London for a couple days that you would do before you boarded DCL and Dover, that kind of thing. So those are mostly three to three to five days. What's the, what's the embedded ABD look like? Because I'm not, I'm, I got to profess, I'm not as familiar with those. So what is, what does that look like and how do those operate on the ships? They've expanded it to, to lots of the um, itineraries now. And so it's basically like, instead of you looking through the Disney Cruise Line website and choosing your excursions, they've chosen them for you. And they've done the balance of you know, making sure you don't do too many museum days, making sure you don't do too many swim with the dolphin days, that sort of thing. You're always with the same guides in addition to whatever local guides they bring on. So if you have something like a food allergy, there's some another person to advocate for you. If you are, you know, a single woman and you want to know that somebody is always keeping an eye out for whether you're with the group, that's another person who might want that. They give you the first you know, shuttle or whatever out of the ship. So you get to go before all the other excursions do. They're the only ones, I believe, that they'll like hold a ship for you, you know, as long as they possibly can. Photos on the ship are, are included, or I'm, I'm going to say all these things knowing that things could always change. Yeah, sure, but sure. when I've done it, the photos on the ship were included in addition to the photos that the guides took while you were in port. There was a Paolo meal included in one of our embeds. There's like a welcome reception. You get to go with the concierge boarding if you're not 
that level. So it's it's more like, you know, they choose the excursions for you and you go with the same group and somebody that you know is looking out for you. And I got to back up and, and talk about the, the group travel because the my husband was the one that initially wanted us to, to do this for the first time, you know, 10 plus years ago. And I was a little horrified by the concept of group travel, I have to say. As am I, as am I. <laughs> I'm a bit of an introvert and was like, who are these people and why am I going on vacation with them? And <laughs> I, you know, I have to say that there have been a couple of people that I didn't love, but there's, there's usually enough people that you find people that you do love. And if there's a couple of people that like, there's nobody that I was like, oh my God, this guy's a total jerk or whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> are on their best behavior because they too have paid gobs of money to be on this trip. So, you know, everybody's interested in getting along. And like I said, there've been people I've, I've made really decent, good friends with that I've kept in touch with for nearly a decade now, guides and fellow travelers. You know, my kids have, you know, instantly become friends with some of the people they've met on the, on the cruises or sorry, on the, on the adventures. If you don't want to socialize, you can kind of keep to your own family group as much as you want. But if you want to meet people or if like you want your kid to meet people, there's generally ample opportunity for that as well. Oh, the ones that are embedded with a Disney cruise, are those typically like the European cruises or are they for like all of the destinations? Like, do they exist for like the Caribbean, for example? Up until two years ago, they were pretty much just for Europe. And I'm going to look at the website right now because they've added a ton more recently. So there's Alaska, which they added a year or two ago. There's all these Mediterranean ones and they Ah, they took them off. I was about to say there are some Caribbean ones, but they took them off. I think that those were not super popular, but they, they, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten, 10 different European versions and Alaska right now. One of the other huge things about all of the European trips, and, and which includes the embedded ones, is that they've made arrangements with all of these venues to get insider access. So mm-hmm. for instance, one of my favorite things that I visited was Sagrada Familia in Barcelona. And there was a line that was probably wrapped around the block three times and we just walked right in. So that's a lot of what you're paying for is like the, the easy access and the you know insider access. And on the embedded trip I did in the Baltic, we were in St. Petersburg, Russia, and our group of about 40 people had the entire Hermitage Museum to ourselves for an hour and a half, which is unheard of. And so that's that's another aspect of the luxury. In addition to luxurious accommodations and luxurious food, you're getting insider access to these places that you would normally never be able to, to have. And so that's a lot of what you're paying for. How active are these trips? Because when we talk about audience, I think we're talking, I mean, these trips are- It really, it depends a lot on the trip. And so there are some active things at almost all of the the uh, adventures. So like the Costa Rica and Peru ones both had a whitewater rafting element. I say whitewater rafting. It was, you know, there's, I'm sure there's like a one to five level thing. It was like, it was like the middle one. And they know that there are nine-year-old kids on the trip and nobody, nobody's dying from that. But so for instance, when I did Costa Rica, there was a set of grandparents there with their young high school age daughter, and they did not want to go zip lining because that was not appropriate for them. And so they were directed to the butterfly garden at the base of the mountain. And the granddaughter was allowed to zip line with the rest of us. And we met back up with them like an hour later kind of thing. And so, you know, there are different levels of activity at all, all of the 
adventures. The Peru one we went on was quite active. There was a lot of hiking up and down ruins kind of thing. And so, you know, if you have any sort of mobility issue, that's the time to talk to a vacationista and say, legitimately, like, you know, I walk slowly, I have a cane, I, you know, whatever. Is this a realistic thing for me? So some have more than others. A lot of the European ones are, you know, there's a culinary event, there's a museum, there's, you know, there's a, there's a hike, but it's a gentle hike and you could sit in the cafe at the base of the hike until we got back kind of thing. So most of the time, there's some other option if there's something that's super active. Let's talk about river cruises. First, I want to ask you, because you, you have the expertise in the cruise line, my sense is, or my understanding is, I should say, ABD or Disney writ large has contracted specifically with a particular river cruising company. And my, I, I thought I had heard that some of the river cruises are on boats that are designed specifically for Disney. Is that right? Yeah. Absolutely. So Disney started in the river cruise market, I believe it was in 2016, and they partnered with a company called Ama Waterways, which is a luxury and river cruise company. And they have, I'm going to get it wrong, but I want several dozen ships. And then they specifically designed two of them with Disney to be slightly larger, to have connected rooms in some of the cabins and to have cabins that would sleep three. Um, river cruising is has typically been a product that skews much toward retirees. So so it's like older couples, like the, the average age of river cruises are, you know, in the 70s, I think. And Disney wanted to bring that to, you know, the family audience. So they partner with Ama Waterways to make that more accessible to families. Yeah. It's appealing to us as a family, because as I think about the notion of taking our, at the time, he'll be eight years old for this trip, our, our eight-year-old son over to Europe, like schlepping between city to city, hotel to hotel, planning the activities, like the idea of just unpacking on a boat and sailing down the river to another city, like that's, the stress will just be in the plane ride there. I'm <laughs> so jealous that you guys get to do this for the first time, because it's so cool. It's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us what's so great about it, Aaron. Talk to us about river cruises. Like, what are your, some okay. of your favorite things? Yeah. Well, the river cruise is great, you know, as are the European DCL cruises in that you're only unpacking once. And the the river cruises are sort of like a happy medium in between Disney Cruise Line and the land totally land-based adventures by Disney. So you'll 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 pull up to the river cruise and you'll be like, is this a ship? What is happening? So the maximum <laughs> capacity of, you know, like the fantasy is 4,000 guests. The maximum capacity of the river cruises is approximately 150 guests. So it's a totally different scale. And nearly the entire time you can, you know, you're well within easy swimming distance to the land kind of thing. So you're right you're going right through cities and you're able, you know, you dock and you get off the boat and 30 seconds later, you're sitting at a cafe with a cappuccino kind of thing. So you're really in the city. There was one uh, one time where on the Danube, we had a Hungarian guitar player who was sort of like our evening entertainment after dinner. And he played for an hour and then his shift was over and they pulled over 10 minutes later to let him off to, at his house. You know, I mean, it's like that. Kind of thing. <laughs> so it's the way it runs, though, is a little bit different than DCL and regular adventures. So there's about 150 guests and there are usually seven or eight guides. So it's the same 
ratio of, you know, about 20 guests to a guide, but they're not, they're not, you, you could, you shift in and out of the different guides. So you're not always going to have the same one at every one of your excursions. So it, typically on the river cruises, there's a menu of maybe three or four different things you could do each morning or afternoon. So for one afternoon, you might have a choice of like an ice skating park for kids, like a bike ride or a museum or a wine tasting. And so, you know, you, you can split up your family. Like if, you know, mom wants to go wine tasting and dad and the kid want to go to ice skating or whatever, you can do that. And you just sign up for that in advance. There's a lot, a lot of flipping around on that. I'll tell you about it in a second, but like there might, you might go on day one to the winery with guide A and then on you know, the next day you might go to the museum with guide C. You know, they're all Disney trained people, but you're not going to have the same one guide for everything. It's just like the numbers don't work like that. Uh, do you choose your excursions like in advance or do you choose them like every each day? You choose them in advance. And the two that I took, there was slight, a slightly different process and I think they're still tinkering with it. So I don't want to get too specific, but yes, you choose them in advance. But like the first day, they give you a whole spiel about way more detail about what each thing is and what the activity level is and how much walking and how many stairs and how much free time you have and whatever. And I want to say like 60% of the people after hearing like, their onboard spiel the first day changed up what they wanted to do. And so there's a lot of flexibility. And there were some even like, you know, it was in Amsterdam, like the, it was like the last day of our river cruise and people were tired at that point. And so they had signed up for things and they're like, no, I just want to like, look at the tulips. And so <laughs> it was one thing that was like, no, you can't get into the Rembrandt museum because it's way overbooked. And, and then by the time it actually happened, there were like uh, vacancies, you know, I mean, so they might tell you that the, the trip to the whatever museum is full. And I just like, wouldn't even stress about that because there's so much, you know, trading among people, you know, my kids kid doesn't decided they don't want to go to whatever the thing is. Will you switch with me? And they were very, very accommodating like that. Like on Disney Cruise Line, if you, you there's like a three-day lockdown. Like once you've, once it's three days before the thing, you're paying for it. There's no extra fees for the different excursions on Adventures by Disney. And so you can change it. It's not going to affect your bottom line. It's, you know, that sort of thing. Well, with one exception, I think, right? Wasn't there, there's an excursion. I don't think it's happening. Ah, (laughs) Yes. There was an excursion that was supposed to happen this year to go see the Wish on under construction off of one of the cruises, uh, river cruises, and they were charging a pretty penny for that. But yeah, yeah. To help people orient. So you talked about the size of the ship Uh for someone who's an avid Disney cruiser who wants to take their first foray into river cruising and they step on the boat aside from size, what are going to be the big differences they're going to immediately see? There's more things included. So for instance, you're you're not paying separately for your excursions. You're not paying separately for your transfers. You're not paying, there's like a, there's a captain's table, which is sort of the equivalent of Palo. That's, there's no upcharge for that. Most of the alcohol is included on the river cruise. So you get, there's a bar where you can get cocktails for a little bit more money, but beer and wine is included at lunch and dinner. And there were several like tour of a winery or tour of an apricot farm where they, were, they made apricot liqueur and that was all included. And I Again, it's smaller. So even though there's 150 people, which is bigger than, say, the 40 on a on a regular land-based one, you're seeing the same faces over and over again. And so you do get to know people. There's only one dinner seating. 
So uh, there's not the like, you know, you're getting the late, you're getting the early kind of thing. There's no kids club on the river cruises. So like I mentioned that they, one of the guides we had on a river cruise had been a veteran of the DCL kids clubs. And she was typically the one that if the kids didn't want to eat in the dining room with their parents, they would always have like a, a smaller, more, you know, kid friendly dinner in the lounge. And so she was the one that would sort of supervise, uh, you know, a dozen or so kids eating chicken nuggets and leading them in a game of pin the tail on whatever while the parents were enjoying a more leisurely wine-filled dinner kind of thing. And there's less, like there's no sea days on the river cruises. So typically you would dock somewhere in the, you know, definitely before 8 a.m. And then you might not have a return time to the ship till 1 a.m., like the kind of it's the kind of thing where if you missed you know your DCL sailing you're completely out of luck and like trying to figure out a helicopter here it's like you could probably take an Uber to the next port you know I mean there's <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not, like I'm not joking so it's it's much more leisurely you're really more part of the European countryside you feel like you're really you know it it, it happens to be a ship but it could be a lovely train journey or a you know a, a motor trip or whatever. It's like you're really in Europe as opposed to sort of on the outskirts. So I think one of the other ways these ships are different is you're not going to get a ton of the same onboard amenities that you would on a large cruise ship because the cruise ship is the ship itself is no longer the destination. It is the mode of transportation in your hotel room to right. move a from lovely place to one. place. You know, totally lovely. Right. And it will have some amenities, but it'll be more like a hotel style of amenity right. than a cruise line style of amenity. So you'll you'll have the one restaurant, you'll have you know, a small serviceable gym, I'm sure, or a nice gym. Right. It's you, yeah. Very, very small. I mean, like, like a treadmill kind of thing. And <laughs> yeah. there's like, there, they say that there's like a, a salon, but it's literally like one chair. And if somebody wants it, they'll like call somebody from the land to come in kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. um, it's, like, yeah. it's not like there's a beautician that travels with you kind of thing. Yeah. Like the shop is like my, the size of my desk that I'm sitting at right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. We don't, you don't need it because you, you, you're basically plugging into the city or docking too. So if you want to go shopping, get off the boat and go shopping, right? Like that's Absolutely. kind of, that's kind of what you're Absolutely. doing. Yeah. What about the, the, the dining room? Just, I just, this is kind of a technical question, but do do you have assigned seating as to, I know there's only one seating, but do you sit with other people? How does that work? Yeah. You sit with other people. There's, there's not really any like tables for two. So, you know, if you're a honeymooner, you can't expect that you're only going to be eating alone. And so that, you know, you, you, you're sitting sort of basically first come first serve. So one of the trips I traveled with my nuclear family, and then we would often end up sitting at a table with a you know, some, some other families that we met on the ship or my kids would like, they'd take the teens off to like go do something. And my husband and I would sit with another couple that we met. There was the other trip I went with my family and my parents, and we were a group of seven. And we usually ended up sitting by ourselves because we were such a large group. But there's the main dining room where you're getting always a breakfast buffet, plus a little little bit of a menu. Like, you know, if you wanted waffles, you could order it from a menu kind of thing. And then lunch was almost always off the ship. And then dinner was sort of 50-50, depending on what was happening. There was always like up in the main lounge, there's a bar, you know, but it does shut down at like 11 kind of thing. And there's usually like cookies or some fresh fruit or some sort of thing, but it's not like you're not getting room service 24 seven. And there is the captain's table, but it seats, I want to say like 15 ish people and you're invited to it. Like everybody gets an invite one night, but you don't have to grapple for a reservation or anything like that. And, you know, it, it's, um, it's such so small that it doesn't, 
appear that like it takes anything out of the main dining room kind of thing. So yeah, you're definitely going to be sitting with other people, whereas you could arrange on DCL to sit by yourselves if you really needed to. Do you have a sense like do people, it seems like because you're docked, I mean, one, you're docked for a significant period of time in these locations most of the time. Sometimes you're docked overnight. It looked like at some of the stops at least. Do some amount of people just say, you know, I'm going to go have dinner in the city we're docked in as opposed to back on the, the ship? Some, some, yeah. I mean, you've, you've paid for it already on the ship and, you know, and, and often you're tired by the end of the day, like you've been walking or you've been exploring or whatever. So yeah, there are certainly some people that if there's an opportunity to stay on land to have dinner, they do. But I want to say 70, 80% being on the ship when, when there's the opportunity. I will say also the food on the, sh- on the river cruise was incredible. Like truly, like leaps and bounds better than DCL and DCL is not bad. You know, really because they're right there, they get fresh fruits, fresh breads every day. You know, it's not like where you've got, you know, you're sailing to Hawaii and you've got four consecutive days at sea and they're defrosting a lot of stuff. Like everything is super fresh. They can make things more custom to your needs because they're just serving so many fewer people. So the food on the river cruises was outstanding. What about the kids? What about the food that's sort of kids focused? Yeah, well, like for breakfast, there's, you know, it's a breakfast buffet. So there's pancakes and waffles and fruit and eggs and, you know, kid stuff. There's always like an ice cream option for a dessert for kids. And then dinner, there's fewer, like there are fewer choices, but at dinner, they might have like a chicken nugget and a plain pasta for kids. Kids were always welcome to eat anything the adults were eating as well. So it wasn't like, you know, they had to eat the chicken nuggets or whatever. There was always something that was sort of, you know, stereotypically kid friendly, just not a hundred things that were stereotypically kid friendly kind of thing. And did you find, I mean, it, so having been on one air and have your several, maybe have you, did you find the ship to be sort of up to Disney standards and the rooms luxurious and nice and those sorts of things? I, I would happen to be on the second Danube cruise they ran ever. And obviously everything was brand new and things are, this was 2016. So things are still really very new, but the fabrics are luxurious. The bathrooms are large, larger than the um, the ones on the ocean cruise. Um, like there's little blue nightlight that comes on when you open the door. You know, it's like a, like a state-of-the-art computer and TV in one. One thing that I really like on the river cruises is that the queen-size beds can be split. And so on one, I went with just my daughter and we made it into twins. And then on another one, I was in a room with my husband and we made it into the queen. So like if you're traveling with, you know, a, a friend, you don't have to like sleep in the same bed with them, which is nice. Did you, do you think Disney hit the demographic? Did you, on the Disney ABD river cruises you've been on, were you finding it with families and sort of a younger crowd as opposed to yeah, the yeah, yeah. older crowd? Uh, you know, it was a, it was a range. I want to say like the youngest kids were five. I would probably wait till like seven, you know, there were just a few of those, but mostly it was like, say, you know, out of 150 kids, few people, there were, you know, a, a, a few younger elementary school kids, 15 or so older elementary school kids, a few middle school kids, 10 high school kids. And then, you know, like, like on one, I traveled with my young adult daughter and there were several other people like that. There were a lot of grandparents with families, you know, the average age, I would say most of the adults were in there, you know, between mid to late thirties to late fifties, as opposed to like in their seventies on a traditional river cruise. What have been some of your favorite trips, Aaron, or favorite moments on trips? Like did do any really just stand out as, as ones that you really loved? Well, I had never been the the Barcelona trip to Sagrada Familia. I like I've been to a zillion sort of cathedrals and always thought they were like, yeah, that's a cathedral. It, that really took my breath away. I thought that was amazing. In China, 
we went to a panda sanctuary in Chengdu where like there were like hundreds of pandas there and they were taking care of them and trying to breed them and stuff. That was really awesome. You know, every, they, they all have these incredible moments. Um, in Costa Rica, we were on a beach and there were like monkeys swinging over our heads and like my kids were completely jazzed by that. You know, I mean, they all, they, they make a real point on Adventures by Disney to give you some truly magical moments on every trip. I wonder, I wonder how this experience compares to some of the, there are a lot of other sort of tour companies that do European tours or other places around the world, like uh, Global, I think is one that- uh, Well, National Geographic does some, Talk Tours does some, you know, the Abercrombie and Kent does some, you know, there are some similarities. We, I was talking on one trip to a, to a, a family that had was standing near us and they happened to be on an Abercrombie and Kent thing. And they were watching our guides take care of our luggage and they didn't get that on theirs. And they were like super jealous. So it was like, you put your suitcase outside your door at, you know, 7am or whatever the appointed hour is. And then you see it in your hotel room at the next destination. There are a lot of tour guides, tour companies where that doesn't happen, where you have to take it yourself to the bus. I mean, stupid stuff like that, or, you know, transfers are included or not included, or the level of food is different. And, you know, if you're considering you know, a high ticket item like this, it probably does pay for you to talk to a travel agent who has experience with maybe a couple different ones to see, you know, whether one meets your needs more than the other. There is a section on the river cruises, the Adventures by Disney River Cruises in my Disney Cruise Line book. It's, I think it's chapter 13 and it's pretty in detail there. And I did a lot of price comparison to Viking and and a couple of the other river cruise lines. And Adventures by Disney is you know, not crazy. It's a little more, but it's not crazy more. And they do have the things where they'll have something for the kids at, you know, the museum, or they'll have the more child-friendly food, that sort of thing. So, you know, there, there, there are pros and cons to each depending on who you are, but yeah, there are some other companies that do similar things. So, you know, if you're concerned about price, it would pay to do a sort of comparison. One of the other things is on the Adventures by Disney website, it tells you what the hotels are that they're putting you at. So you can see in China, they're sending you to the the peninsula and the Shangri-La and you can look those up and you can see that they're, you know, five-star hotels truly and read the, read the Yelp reviews and like, Mm, okay, this is good. You know, I mean, so, and then you can do the, often do the same with other tour companies and say, oh, they're putting you at a hotel that's maybe not as plush. And that might not be important to you. I mean, you might not, you might want to save a couple hundred bucks and stay at a place that was not so posh. And that's obviously a great choice for lots of people. So it depends on what you're interested in. What? I'm, I'm curious, Aaron, given what you know about the cruise line and having experienced ABD and knowing the history of the cruise line being Disney having contracted it out with another company for a while and then someone finally saying we can't control yeah. the experience the way that we want. So we need to yep. do it ourselves. Do you, do you see a future in which Disney Cruise Line starts doing some of this themselves? You know, I would have told you yes immediately before the pandemic. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. think that probably everything has been pushed off at least three years now. So do I think that they're thinking hard about it? Absolutely. Am I confident it's going to happen any day now? Not as much as I used to be. Yeah. 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 But they, you know, like I said, it was only four or five years ago that they started with just the one Danube River and then they added the Rhine and the Rhone and the Seine. You know, I'm personally, you know, I I feel strongly that that I think they will go to Asia or, you know, other markets eventually. But I'm, you know, I think it's a little ways off now. Yeah. Well, and they might, you know, to that end, they might sort of try expanding into those markets with partnerships before investing the money to create their own ships like they did with 
Anna. Well, the, their problem with partnerships is always they're charging a premium. You're expecting a certain level of service. If they right. can't directly control it, then they start to lose control of the the quality. So that's right. they have that's, to find the right partner. I think yeah. in in if they want to do it in in Asia, they've got to find the right partner to do it with. So my my question, Aaron, is uh, if you had to sum up for folks like. It seems like you really like this product. And so I'm wondering, like, what are the things that keep you coming back to it? What what made you fall in love with it? Well, the luxury aspect of it, like I said that, you know, I was once traveling with somebody on one of my trips and she was a single mother of three kids. And she's like, I check my brain at the door. Like everything is taken care of for me. I don't have to worry. There's extra sets of eyes on my kids. I don't have to spend you know, time out of my work day to call a thousand tour guys to see if they're the right one. I, you know, I don't have to like go on Yelp and look at the restaurant reviews. Like it's all done for me. And so if you're interested in just, you know, like an all-inclusive, everything is included and you don't have to plan it and you know, it's going to be well-balanced and well-run. And if, if something, you know, unfortunate happens, like somebody becomes ill or, you know, you miss a connection or whatever, like there are people there to help you, you know, all of that is worth some extra money. It's like insurance, you know, and then it's a, it's a luxury product. You're staying in luxury hotels. You have, you know, extra guides when you need extra guides. Like, you know, when I I was in Rome, in addition to the two Disney people and and the museum expert, there were a couple of security people to make sure we weren't pickpocketed. You know, I mean, it's just they're, they're taking care of you and they're delighting and surprising you at every turn. You know, here's, you know, it's like it's hot. They're passing out paper fans. There's hand sanitizer before every meal. And like, you don't have to plan it or think about it. Like you, you can relax. You Like you're getting your kids seeing Europe or, you know, Asia or whatever, but you are not stressed while it's happening. Now, now I'm remembering that on the Danube, we had like a farm kind of stop and a donkey bit my daughter and they (laughs) went into overdrive, like with the ice and the this and the, you know, the sanitizer and the band-aids and the, you know, I mean, like she was fine, you know, but it was kind of hilarious. And and any mishap, like they were on it kind of thing, you know, like your, your flip-flop blows out, they've got duct tape in their backpack, you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) Oh, it's oh, like see. a utility belt of stuff. Right, right, exactly. Like Mary Poppins slash Batman, you know? <laughs> I love that. All right, well, we still have a rapid fire round for you, Aaron, although you've done our first 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 set of rapid fire. You're our first repeat guest. So we developed some new rapid fire questions for you. Um, well, the last time we last focused time we saw on Disney Cruise Line. Cruise Line. So this time yeah. we can do a little bit something different. So yeah. Sam, I'm going to throw it over to you for, for our rapid fire round. Perfect. So this is going to, the first few questions are ABD focused, and then the rest of the questions are going to be just Disney Parks focused. So... What was your favorite ABD trip? I want to say China because it was so incredibly luxurious. And like I said, it was something that I would not have done on my own. So it, it allowed me see, uh, to see a part of the world that I probably would not have experienced otherwise. Favorite activity on an ABD trip? I think I mentioned Sagrada Familia and the pandas. Those were both truly incredible. Machu Picchu was great. Yeah, there was something, you know, even like in the Wyoming one, which was US based, that we stayed at this ranch and I the the housing was these cabins. Like every family had their own cabin. And because I was traveling with a girlfriend, but I was technically my own party. So I had this cabin to myself with it's like, oh, you know, they made a fire in the wood stove for me. And it was like these big quilts and it was just so cozy, you know, like there's something great at, on all of them. Favorite city or destination that you visited on ABD? Mm, um, probably 
St. Petersburg, Russia, just because, again, that was another one that I probably never would have done otherwise. Favorite food experience on ABD. Now, this could be on the on like a river cruise or it could yeah. be at a restaurant. On the Mediterranean embed, they we stopped in Monaco and they took us to one of the lunches was at the Fairmont Hotel in Monaco overlooking the harbor with the yachts and stuff. And so we were, this buffet was like, you know, Vegas times a thousand of the, <laughs> like, like, you know, they were like pulling the crabs out of the ocean kind of thing or whatever for you. And then we were watching helicopters land on the yachts, like right in front of us. And that was, that was, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, that's, I mean, being in Monaco, that's like sort of the ultimate of see, like not necessarily, even if you're living the luxury, but sort of, you see the sort of the, the, right. mo- the most luxurious stuff. Yeah. yeah. We were making up good stories about who was on those. Yachts. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I bet the people watching was fantastic there. Okay. Favorite Disney park. I want to go with Epcot, but I think, you know, who knows what Epcot's going to turn into. So they're making a lot of changes, but classic Epcot's my favorite park. Okay. Favorite land within a Disney park. It doesn't have to be like within Epcot. It could be within any, any of the. Uh, I like the idea of Tomorrowland. I like Tomorrowland. I don't know. They're all, they're all, they're all good in their own way. You know. Favorite classic Disney ride or attraction. Right now I'm going to go with Carousel of Progress you know, a splash mountain I like because it's sort of gentle, but it also has like a little bit of a thrill. Like that's, it's, you know, it's well, it's a well-balanced attraction. There's a lot of controversy about that now, but which I totally, I totally understand. Yeah. Around the theming for sure. Yeah. Okay. Favorite modern ride or attraction. Well, I, I did get an opportunity to go on Rise of the Resistance right before everything shut down. And that was pretty darn awesome for a Star Wars fan. Yeah. have to agree. It's an amazing ride. Okay, favorite park snack. I think you asked me this before, and it's like it's like choosing my children. You know, I'm going to go with Dole Whip, but it, it could be popcorn, it could be a turkey leg. I, you know, whatever's in front of me is my yeah. favorite. <laughs> favorite quick serve restaurant at the parks. Well, at the Magic Kingdom, I'm going to go with Columbia Harbor House because I like the upstairs and it's kind of quiet and I like the hummus sandwich they have there. Um, at Epcot, my favorite quick serve is whatever food booth that I'm in front of, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, the World Showcase or right, one of those right. fe- or the festivals or whatnot. Yeah, yeah, those are great. Favorite sit down restaurant at the parks? Yikes, yikes. It used to be Artist Point. I had a big um, warm spot in my heart for Artist Point, but you know, they've, they've now changed it into a character meal. You know, I think my family really likes the Morocco restaurant. Oh yeah. They like the, the, they like the food and the belly dancers. Again, this is, you know, I can, I could choose, I could make a strong argument for almost anything. (laughs) (laughs) There are a lot of really fun options. And then there's all of Disney Springs and all the hotels and all of that. Favorite hotel, favorite Disney hotel. Um, well, I think my my home resort for Disney Vacation Club is the Wilderness Lodge, and I love the theming. Also, love the theming for the Grand Californian, which is somewhat similar. And I love that it's like right there at the park. So that's pretty awesome. From a convenience standpoint, I want to go with the Beach Club because you know you can walk to Epcot in like a hot sack, and um, so many different transportation options now. Particularly with the Skyliner opening, you can you know walk or take the boat to Hollywood Studios. There, you have all of the restaurant stuff in Epcot in a flash, all this now, everything on the boardwalk, Swan and Dolphin, you know, like there's... Yeah. And the best pool. 
Right. And yes, exactly. And and so if you want to eat or you want to swim, that's to me the the most convenient place to be for any of those things. And it's a it's a nice hotel too, you know. Yeah, we love we love the beach club as well. That's definitely up there. It's so hard to pick a favorite because there's just so many good ones. And I, I think you're right, location is really key when you're picking, you know, what you're where you're gonna stay and and how much time you're gonna spend in in a particular park. That that's that seems to matter a lot to to a lot of people. Well, Aaron, it's been great having you back on and you're just amplifying my enthusiasm for our ABD <laughs> trip that is like almost, I feel like two years off now. Well, and a so year and a half Spend money, spend money. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to save money so we can spend the money. <laughs> Why don't we let people know once again about the the unofficial guide? Because there is a lot of information in the unofficial guide that you're a co-author of about ABD river cruising. Right. And and also about the embedded ABDs with with it. Right. So there's information on anything that has to do with a boat and ABD. There's a lot of information in the unofficial guide to Disney Cruise Line. And then I also have a few articles on touringplans.com and allears.net and Disney Food Blog about different aspects of ABD. So you can search for for me and ABD there and find lots of articles. Well, I know what my reading is going to be for the next several weeks. So (laughs) (laughs) thanks again, Erin. Sure. Anytime. So it was really great having Erin back on the show. It's just always so much fun talking to Erin. She's so knowledgeable about all things Disney Cruise Line. And now we know she's also super knowledgeable about all things Adventures by Disney. And talking to her this week just got us, I think, even more excited for our first Adventures by Disney trip, uh, a cruise down the Rhine to see the Christmas markets in Christmas time of 2021. So we're really looking forward to that trip. Uh, As Erin mentioned at the end of the show, she's the co-author of the unofficial guide series for Disney Cruise Line. And it's got a lot of information both about the cruise line and some Adventures by Disney related material on the river cruising and the embedded Adventures by Disney on Disney Cruise Line. So well worth checking out if you haven't already. Wanted to make sure to read one of our five-star reviews on the air. This week, the review comes from Bill Tebow, who writes, great Disney information. This couple has extensive Disney knowledge and shares all the tricks to having a truly memorable and frustration-free vacation. If it's Disney you are seeking, you will enjoy their enjoyable insights and interviews with other experts. Well, thanks, Bill. The reviews really help keep us motivated to keep producing the show. So we're glad you're enjoying it. We hope you'll keep listening week to week. With that, I just wanted to say thanks for listening to everyone out there this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL duo each week. Please also be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Those reviews are super helpful in making the show more visible for others out there who might be interested. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also head over to the DCL Duo channel on YouTube for even more great content. And as I've mentioned here recently, we've got some more content lined up for the our YouTube channel. So be sure to stay tuned for that. The DCL Duo podcast and vlog are not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Walt Disney Company, or the Walt Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Walt Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Walt Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL duo. Good night. Good night.